Walgreens gets its arbitration medical bill. The FAA expands. News out of Qatar arbitration. Client Earth's lawsuit gets shelled. And Ireland faces its first ISDS claim. All of this and more on this week's episode of Disputes Digest. We're glad to have you back with us this week, listeners. And it was great meeting a bunch of you in London last week for London International Disputes Week. And we are, meanwhile, less than a month away from Season 5 of Tales of the Tribunal. And we are knocking out some more great interviews and looking forward to bringing you some great live content in HD. But before we get into that, let's jump into this week in the news. And before we do even that, please don't forget to share the show with a friend or colleague and leave us a review. It helps others find the show. All right, folks, our first story of the week. Listen up. Walgreens, the pharmacy giant, is currently locked in a heated battle over an arbitration award. And when I say heated, I mean sizzling like a summer barbecue. They are fighting against a staggering 642 million US dollar arbitration award that went to Humana, the health insurance company. So here's the deal. Humana sued Walgreens back in 2018, claiming that Walgreens overcharged them for prescription drugs. Imagine that if you walk in for a pack of M&Ms and they charge you for the full chocolate factory. The case went to arbitration and Humana emerged victorious, securing a whopping $642 million. Now, Walgreens was having none of that and they're challenging the award, calling it manifestly disregarding the law. And here's the best part. Walgreens is claiming that the arbitrators were more like magicians pulling a number out of a hat than judges. And they're saying that this panel simply invented the number or made it up. It's well known in arbitration that there are extremely few grounds on which the challenge awards and those bars to do so are extremely high. But when faced with a $642 million claim, Walgreens would rather not take its medicine. We'll keep an eye out on how this case develops. Then, in a groundbreaking decision, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals has reshaped arbitration law by expanding the grounds for vacating an arbitration award under the New York Convention. In Corporation AIC versus Hydroelectrica Santa Rita, the court ruled that domestic law, specifically Chapter 1 of the Federal Arbitration Act, or FAA, lays out the criteria for vacating a domestic arbitration award. They overruled two previous cases and ended a split in circuit court opinions, aligning the 11th Circuit with its sister circuits. The FAA and the New York Convention differentiate between non-domestic arbitration awards from domestic ones primarily based on the international nature of the parties involved. Previously, the 11th Circuit followed a string of cases called Industrial Risk Insurers versus Man GmbH and Investones y Procesadora Tropical Improsta SA versus Del Monte International GmbH. Both of these cases, which claimed limited vacater grounds to those set out in Article 5 of the Convention. However, these cases diverged from the interpretations of the 2nd, 3rd, 5th, and 7th circuits, which sees these conventions as delegating the domestic law and the grounds for vacating non-domestic international arbitration awards. In Corporacion, two Guatemalan companies disagreed over a hydroelectric power plant construction contract. Corporacion, AIC, filed suit in federal court to vacate the arbitration award under the FAA. The district court initially ruled against Corporation AIC based on the precedent set by the industrial risk and inversiones, but the Court of Appeals ordered the rehearing in banc. Analyzing Article 5 of the Convention, the Court of Appeals determined that it did not set out the grounds for vacating the arbitral award, and this gap could be filled by Chapter 1 of the FAA, 
aligning with the Supreme Court's decision in Okamputu. This decision broadens the grounds for challenging arbitration awards and will significantly impact parties choosing the 11th Circuit as the seat of arbitration. While some parties may be affected by the shift, the court minimized these potential effects as, quote, relatively minor. But we'll have to see how that actually plays out. Then let's hop over to Qatar for another large decision. The Qatar Financial Center Court, QFC Court, clarified its jurisdictional standing in arbitration cases. In a case between two non-QFC established entities, the court held that it does not have jurisdiction unless explicitly agreed upon by the parties involved. The case cited as 2023-QICF-16AVB centered around the dispute between two companies referred to only as A and B. The applicant, A, contended that a missing comma in the official Arabic version of the Qatar Arbitration Law, Law Number 2 of 2017, could allow parties to choose the car, their competent court, thus choosing the QFC court for arbitration. The QFC court meticulously reviewed the Arabic text, noting that it must take precedence as official laws of the state of Qatar are drafted in this language. It concluded that regardless of the punctuation, discrepancies between the Arabic and English versions of the phrase pursuant to the agreements of the parties applies exclusively to the QFC court. The QFC emphasized that the Qatari state courts are the default legal bodies in Qatar, and the QFC can only assume jurisdiction if explicitly agreed upon by the parties. As neither party was established within the Qatar Financial Center, nor had explicitly agreed to the QFC court's jurisdiction, jurisdiction defaults to the Court of Appeal of the state of Qatar. This ruling underscores the Qatari state's court's position as the default courts in Qatar, and it provides much-needed clarity around the jurisdiction of the QFC court in arbitration matters. For more information, we'll refer to the final judgment, which we'll include in the show notes. Then from there, let's head to the United Kingdom and talk about an interesting environmental law case. So in big climate change news, Client Earth, an environmental law charity, is challenging a UK court's decision to dismiss its climate change lawsuit against Shell, the oil and gas giant. Shell was previously ordered by a Dutch court to slash its CO2 emissions by 45% by 2030, but this doesn't apply to the operations outside the Netherlands. Client Earth wants the same target to be applied globally. But here's where it gets interesting. The UK court threw out Client Earth's case, claiming that the issue was more political than legal. With Client Earth arguing, Shell's current climate plans, which include a net zero emission by Target 50, simply isn't sufficient. The charity is pushing for companies to take stronger actions on climate change and be legally bound to their promises. To add another layer to this, Shell has faced heavy criticism from activists and shareholders alike over its environmental impact, so this lawsuit could have significant implications. The question becomes, can these companies make these broad sweeping promises and not be bound to them? It's a fascinating and important question, an issue that we'll take a look at as we go forward, as there are likely further litigation to occur in other jurisdictions. Then in our fifth and final story for the day, we're staying in the UK and diving in to the fascinating dispute brewing between Lansdowne Oil and Gas, a UK domiciled Dublin headquartered oil and gas company, and the Irish government. So what's the issue? Lansdowne has announced it's planning an energy charter treaty claim against Ireland over its Barry Road project, making it the country's first known investor treaty claim. The offshore drilling project, located in the North Sea Celtic Basin, is reportedly one of Europe's largest underdeveloped offshore oil and gas fields. 
The controversy stems from Ireland's Department of the Environment, Climate and Communications, DECC, refusing to grant a lease for the project due to the applicant's, quote, financial capability. Lansdowne holds a 20% stake in the Barry Road project and asserts that the Irish government has failed to act in a fair and equitable manner under Irish and international law. They're particularly irked about the delays in the requirement to confirm the project funding before the lease is granted. Interestingly, the DEEC's decision comes from Ermin Ryan, leader of Ireland's Green Party and Minister for the Environment, Climate and Communications. This adds a climate change perspective to the case and raises questions about Ireland's commitment to the European Green New Deal and phasing out fossil fuels. Lansdowne, having already invested $20 million in projecting profits of $140 million from the oil reserves, argues that Barry Road's gas resources could be vitally important for Ireland's energy mix during its transition to a net zero economy. This is a case we'll definitely be keeping an eye on and as it explores the intersection of energy law, climate change policy, and international investment disputes. And there you have it. That's Disputes Digest for this week. And we appreciate you dropping in. A big shout out to the team over at Mo Better Solutions for getting the show done this week. And until next week, you're listening to Disputes Digest by Tales of the Tribunal. And we'll see you next week. None of the views shared today or in any episode of Disputes Digest is presented as legal advice nor advice of any kind. No compensation was provided to any organization or party for their inclusion on the show, nor do any of the statements made represent any particular organization, legal position, or viewpoint. All interviewees or organizations included appear on an arm's length basis, and their appearance should not be construed as any bias or preferred affiliation with the host or host's employer. All rights reserved.